0: Oh, let's worship him a little bit more in the spirit. Thank you, Father. Ah, oh, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Oh, we magnify your goodness. We magnify your glory. <laughs> Praise, God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Supernatural joy. Supernatural joy. Hallelujah. See, the people of God are to be tapping into supernatural joy. We're not to be dependent upon the circumstances of this world. But our dependency is upon the greater one who's within. The one who rises up within us as we look to him. And so to the spirit. There'll be manifestations of the, of the presence of God, manifestations of joy, manifestations of supernatural peace that will rise up within you. And that is available to the church. It's available to the believer. It's available to those who will tap in in this hour and not look to the left and not look to the right and not look to the circumstances of this world and not look to what is going on in the political arena, in the economic arena, in the realm of of where the enemy can work. But look on the inside. Look to the greater one. Look to the power of God that is already residing within you. And that power will arise. That strength will arise. That presence will be made manifest. And the fullness of the Lord will be be manifest. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed in your life. And it will cause you to rise above these difficulties and trials. It will cause you to rise above... The the, the the trouble that comes in this earth it'll cause you to rise above in the hour of darkness and you'll walk in the light and your life will be bright and the plan of God will be fulfilled and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you Father. Thank you Father. Thank you for your presence. <laughs> glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Some of you need to put off the spirit of heaviness right now and tap into that joy, tap into praise, tap into His presence in your life. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God. There's only one source of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not in this world. It's of a different world. But that world is now in us. It's in the kingdom of God which is in you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, 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 thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, it can be different. It can be different and it will be different. It will be different. Things you thought were going to have to be this way. No, it will be different. It will be different, says the Lord. Hallelujah. It'll be different for you. And even what the world has said, it has to be for you. Even what your family has said, this is how it has to be for you. No, I say it will be different, says the Spirit of grace. It will be different. As you walk with me, as you keep your eyes on the right things, keep your eyes on my word, keep your eyes on what I have said, not what the enemy is saying. And it will be different. Yes, even this year ahead will be different for you. It will be a year of stepping into some things, stepping into greater blessings, stepping into a greater realm of what my covenant has made available for for the church. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all ready for the word this morning a little bit? Now, I I gave our folks in the booth we appreciate y'all back there but i gave them i gave them a whole bunch of scriptures this morning uh it uh it may be very difficult for them to get them all up in the way we're going to do this this morning cuz uh um so so if you don't get every scripture on the screen it's not their fault if you don't if you don't blame anybody blame me but let's uh but also remember you can go back maybe it's not best to try to get everything down here we're going you'll see in a little bit here what i'm talking about but um for our purposes this moment you can always go back you know we've got uh we've got the services will be online right uh some of you already know that you've been watching some have been watching online but you can go back and watch a service if you miss some scriptures uh, and get those at a different time but um but you know there are people and we've all encountered them i have in different arenas of life different Uh, And certainly if you've been around any academic arena, uh, you know, in the higher education realm, uh, you run into individuals who uh, say things. I've actually had professors that claim to be theological professors that all they did was instill doubt into young people about the Bible. And, and, you know, that seemed to be their purpose, you know. They wanted to just somehow put doubts in the minds of young people about the integrity of the Bible, about uh, whether, you know, Jesus really is the Messiah, uh, some of these, you know, different ideas that men have. There. And there are people today, atheists, agnostic, people of other religions and people that are just, that just hate, you know, anything that has to do with religion or faith. There's some that will say, we're foolish, that you and I, people like you and I in church this morning... Uh, centered around you know a Bible believing Christ centered church, uh, they'll say that we are foolish to believe uh, the Bible or that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, you know they'll or that uh, that Jesus could somehow be born of a virgin. That all these things that we believe as Christians, they uh, they many of them mock these things. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've been in environments where that has been the case. Uh, They'll make fun, pretty much, of anyone that really believes the Bible is true or that the Bible is the Word of God. Yet we have Old Testament prophets um, that, uh, you know, the Bible is so amazing, as we're going to see some this morning. Uh, Old Testament prophets throughout the Old Testament, hundreds of years apart, that didn't know each other, and, uh, and yet... They prophesied, they, they put down in writing hundreds of years difference in times and locations, you know, different locations. Put down in, in writing, you know, 400 to 4,000 years before the birth of Jesus. Put down in writing uh, different prophetical predictions concerning this Messiah that was going to be coming. And so we're going to look this morning, we're going to get kind of in the mental arena a little bit, in the intellectual arena. Uh, we're going to get into the mathematical probability arena. Uh, you may not think it's real spiritual this morning, but it, after this is all over, you'll see the spiritual significance. Um, because we need to look at some of these from an from a apologetic, you know, I don't always go the apologetical route. But that's what we're going to do a little this morning. I'm going to put on my lawyer's hat a little bit, make a case. <laughs> Every once in a while I like to make a case. You know, we made a case for healing before. We made a case for, you know, for the fact that hell is a reality. Y'all remember that a few weeks ago? Uh, you know, we I like I like to just get Bible evidence, but we're going to even we're even going to have evidence that just it, it kind of it stumps experts this morning. Looking at the mathematical probabilities, you know, there were over 300 prophecies. One person said it was 332. I don't know. I'm just going to say I haven't looked them all up, but over 300 prophecies for sure about Jesus' life from the Old Testament that have come to pass regarding his first coming. Regarding his first coming. Now, the second coming has over, uh, you know, over 600, 600 to 700 prophecies concerning The second coming of Christ. Of course, those are things that are still in the process of coming to pass and will come to pass. But we're just talking about the first coming this morning. Now, we can say, and every one of us probably here, most of us here can say, I believe God and I believe in Jesus Christ because I've had an experience. You know, I've, I've experienced God, I've received Jesus, or I've, I know I've been born again, I know something changed on the inside of me, I, or I've had experiences with the Holy Spirit. Or where, where I've, you know, we all, many of us can say that. I'm not saying everyone here, but we all, most of us can say, I've had something, or I've seen God work in my life where I know God is real. See, that's where most of us are. But, and that's good, that's wonderful. We, we Thank God for those experiences and those things we can look back as markers and, and uh, landmarks in our life where God has moved and worked. And we knew it had to be God that brought us out of that, that brought us through and gave us the victory. Amen. Yet, for a moment this morning, like I said, I want to get analytical. I want to get apologetical. Uh, put on my, the lawyer's cap where well, we're going to make a case here. And let's, let's see the mathematical probability of over 300 prophecies written at various times by various men throughout centuries from various locations that of individuals that didn't even know each other about prophecies about Jesus that have come to pass. Hallelujah then we can assess who the real fool is. Those that call us foolish. We're going to assess who the real fool is after this is over. Amen. See, and even in these 300 plus scriptures, their prophecies, scripture of scripture, there are 456 unique predictions within those 300 plus scriptures. In other words, there can be more than one thing in that scripture about the Messiah. Like when he was born, where he was born, attributes about his life, his uniqueness, to whom he was even born. We have we have you know we have this arena of mathematical and I'm not a mathematician, my wife is, but you know i, I, I i've i i didn't confer with her about this I looked at some other I've looked at some other uh actual you know people that do this for a living and some of these statistics and 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 reading about they talk about mathematical probabilities mathematical improbabilities, and then there's a realm of mathematical impossibilities and one expert said that and this is kind of a consensus with some in that arena. I've looked at several. One, he said that for something to be one chance, one, one in ten times fifty. In other words, fifty zeros, one and, you know, in ten and then add fifty zeros to that into the trillions, 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 quadrillions, whatever. That's considered one in five, with fifty zeros after it. That's considered pretty much a mathematical impossibility. Now there are mathematical probabilities. You know, there's a probability that that you uh, could become the president of the United States in 2024. You know, there is a mathematical probability out there that you could become one of you could become the president of the United States. In 2024. Now, there's also, now that, but that probability is, is one in ten with seven zeros after it. Now you being struck by lightning, you know, there's a mathematical probability of that. And that's just one in seven hundred thousand. Now if you struck by lightning and die from it, that's one in two million chance. Now, if a meteor, there's a probability of a meteor, mathematical probability of a meteor landing on your house. That's one to the tenth with 14 zeros after it. Possibility. (laughs) Pretty extreme possibility. (laughs) Now, listen to me. It would be more probable. Listen to this. It would be more probable for you to become president, be hit by lightning, have your home hit by a meteor in one day than for Jesus not to be the Messiah. With some of the things we're going to be looking at today. In fact, I could even add some other variables. I could add be elected president at age three. And have, and the, and, and have crossed eyes. A birthmark on the back of your right leg. And be born in slap out Alabama. <laughs> I could add all those variables to the ones I mentioned. And still, it's a greater mathematical <laughs> probability than Jesus not being the Messiah. In other words, there's a, it is, if you look at all these prophecies, it's a mathematical impossibility. That Jesus not be the Messiah. Glory be to God. In fact, the more factors and variables that you add into something, the you less the less of the probability for it. Just like I added age three, slap out Alabama. Every time I added something, the probability went whoa, way, 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 way down. And the Bible adds in, like we said, on top of these prophecies, 456 different things that make it even more or less probable that Jesus could be the Messiah. So in in other words, that one man could be this. The probability that one man could meet all these things, all these criteria, it would be impossible for a man to do this and figure this out. Figure out this plan. But if all of it came to pass, if all these things could come to pass, all these 300-plus prophecies and the 456 different factors within those prophecies, it makes it mathematically impossible. And that's, that's the premise I'm starting with here, that Jesus not be the Messiah, who he says he is. like He sa- In other words, he is who he says he is. If Jesus was who He said He was, then how could all of that be? I mean, how could He have arranged that ahead of time? Well, we know He couldn't. A man could. God had to do that. Well, you know that. And those. This, we're seeing how this had to be God that did this for something to be prophesied thousands of years. All these details, thousands of years. In fact, even for Jesus after he was born, if he, it's cause I've, I've heard some people make this accusation. They say, well, Jesus just, he knew, he read these prophecies and he tried to implement some of them. He did them himself. He, he went out there and acted out those prophecies, you know, that he had read in the Old Testament. Oh, you, oh, you mean so he could act out where he was going to be born? <laughs> you know, that's prophesied. In other words, no, it's impossible. It would be impossible for a man after the fact, after he's born, to all of a sudden start acting those things out. It would be impossible. And that's just one thing. There, there are others. Some, some will say, well, it was just, even the manner of his death. All these, there's so many, we're going to look at some. Some would say, well, it was just a coincidence. It was accidental that Jesus kind of fulfilled some of these prophecies. Well, Again, these people are talking from ignorance. They don't know what they're talking about. If they believe, if, if, if they believe this is coincidence, I've got some great beach, beachfront property in Oklahoma I'd like to sell them. Amen. Because I can make a lot of money off a fool. Because you have to be a fool to say there is no God. And you have to be a fool to say Jesus is not the Messiah. Some willingly are. They choose to be because they don't want to acknowledge it. But I'm presenting, like I say, this is an apologetical day. uh, And we're going to get to some spiritual meaning of this as well and some things at the end. But even just a a couple of these, you can see it's mathematically impossible for Jesus not to be the Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the History Channel. I saw one time they, they were really all excited about this about Nostradamus. Y'all ever heard of Nostradamus, the predictor from back in the 1500s or wherever he was? Um, and they, were, they they thought, man, he because he predicted a few things right. But the guy was wrong on a ton of stuff. I mean, yeah, he predicted a few things that, that you know about Hitler, whatever. I don't even get don't even get in. It's not even worth the time to look him up. He also thought we were all going to be alien zombies by this point. So don't even go, I mean, it's not even worth the time. I mean, yeah, he may have seen a few things. I don't know how, but I don't, you know. But, but uh, I mean, and I could go on and on. He basically predicted California is going to fall off the face of the earth. All these destructive things. But uh, but yet the world goes, Woo! look at him. But there's only one true prophetic genius. <laughs> and uh, And God has revealed it in his word. And there's only one true Messiah. And he is who he says he is. Just based, just based on mathematical probability. See, so we're going to hit it from a different side. You know, just like a couple of weeks ago we talked about hell. I, I believe we it's good to scare people into the kingdom. If need be. I'd rather love them in. We try to do that most of the time. We talk about how good God is, how wonderful God is, and we present that case a lot around here, and uh, but also sometimes you can appeal to people's minds. And that's why I'm going to say ahead of time here, some of you might can take this teaching today and maybe share it with somebody. Share it with college kids because I know what they go through. Even in religious schools, Paul and Julia both got some of this stuff at Sanford. They get, I mean, you get these professors that are, you know, they're, they're full of doubt and unbelief and they try to spew that mess out on the kids. You know, the Bible says there's going to be a hot place in hell for those that try to drag children down with them. <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to say share this with some people. Share it, share this. If you've got any doubt in, doubters in your family, say take just this, this one thing and just listen to it. And if you still can tell me there's no God, there's no Messiah, so be it. So you, sometimes you need to appeal to people on different levels. And you know, we believe in the power of God, the glory of God. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit working in people. And that's that's primarily how it got. But then there's sometimes you just need to you, some people that's you hit them where they are and try to love them where they are. And uh, and so that I'm gonna say this morning this is a message you can help somebody with, maybe on a different level. So if there's only one true Messiah and and He is who he says he is, and based on mathematical probability, he is the Messiah. If so, what is the probability that you die and go to heaven without you receiving him as Savior? Not possible. If you don't believe he's a Messiah and do what he said is necessary to receive eternal life. What you realize this morning, you're going to realize... I trust after this, it's worth listening to what Jesus says and not questioning it. As many have done, many do today. The people that kind of make themselves a God. Well, Jesus was a good man, but no, he's not just a good man. He was the only holy man, but he's more than that. He is the truth. So what he said, we can trust. See, the Old Testament gives us prophecies of the Messiah. You know, today, if, in crime solving, you know, and uh, detective work and everything, DNA has become a big factor in our time. Because they can find out now through DNA who somebody is, and it's pretty much game, set, match. It's over once you get somebody's DNA on something. Well, you realize God throughout the Old Testament sprinkled, sprinkled Jesus' DNA throughout the Old Testament prophets. That means so that when Jesus came, we could all recognize who it was and say, that's him. That's his DNA. I recognize that. And the more criteria we have, the better because it eliminates any other possibilities. You know, if you were hunting down a friend who lived, who you lost touch with somebody and you wanted to find out you felt you, you learn you, you heard maybe they're in a certain part of the country then you find out you get some names or some help you know through whether it's through the internet or whatever you you start narrowing down well you find out what state they're in what city they're in you find out well maybe this is a, you know you know this is a community there or whatever you you start narrowing things down the more what occupation they are if they're married or not you start getting more detail more detail more criteria well you start What you're doing, you're eliminating all the other possibilities and you're bringing it down to just, you know, you've got it down now to just one or two or whatever. Well, see, God put markers throughout the Old Testament. He put Jesus's ID, identification, his DNA, as we said, throughout the Old Testament so that we would recognize him when he shows up. He gave us his ethnic background, gave us his place of birth gave us a time frame of his arrival, and on and on. And it's impossible for it to be a coincidence. So for an atheist to say, there is no God, I'd have to say, oh, really? Are you sure about that? We're presenting a case today. Well, somebody might say, well, why didn't the Jews believe then if, if all these things about Jesus were true? Well, here's something you need to understand. By the time Jesus came into the earth and was born, Two thousand years ago, the the rabbis had pretty much trained the people and, and got had had everybody thinking that the Messiah was going to be a political ruler who and that when he came they would no longer be oppressed by the Romans or anybody else. The, that this Messiah was gonna take over, and now everybody was gonna have to come under his rule. And so that's how they had everybody thinking. In fact, even remember the disciples, they thought, "Well, Jesus, when, when are you going to set up your kingdom?" Remember that? Uh, they even argued, "I want to be on your right hand." They had arguments about who's going to be, you know, at Jesus' right hand when he sets up his kingdom. Not realizing there was this whole period of time called the church age yet to come. Amen. But uh, but if we but if we see this correctly, unlike they did at the time. And even today, there are rabbis, they don't want to mess with this subject. In fact, some have gotten saved. I know somebody that is has aware of some of the things that go on a lot in Israel. Some rabbis are getting saved because they keep, they can't, they keep stumbling over this, over things we're talking about, how they, all these things fit only one person. <laughs> Now, some are, they've been dishonest and they won't let people, they, they get asked about it. they they turn it, they twist it. They don't, they're not willing to face up to some of these things. They don't want to talk about them. and they ha- Or they have to put down the New Testament and say, well, that's just, a, thats just, a, you know, something man devised. <clears throat> but if you see these things correctly, look at what God said in Isaiah 48. Let's look at a few scriptures already here. Isaiah 48, uh, let, let's put those at verse 3 through 5 here. Notice what God said to Israel. He said, I've declared the former things from the beginning. They went forth from my mouth and I caused them to hear it. Suddenly I did them and they came to pass. Because I knew that you were obstinate and your neck was like iron sinew and your brow bronze. In other words, you're, you're a bunch of, you know, they're stiff necked. They, he knew that, he knew that they were, you know, they were their attitude wasn't going to be great. He said, but, he said I, so I had to go ahead and declare some things ahead of time for you. From the beginning, I've declared it to you. Before it came to pass, I proclaimed it to you. See, God was saying, I'm, I'm letting you know ahead of time what's going to happen. Lest you should say my idol has done them. And my carved image and my molded image have commanded them. Amen. Isaiah 46, verse 9. See, God told them some things ahead of time. He let them know I'm going to tell you things ahead of time. He said, remember the former things of For I'm God, there is no other. I'm God, there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So he said, I'm declaring things right now that are going to happen because I'm seeing it from the other side from ancient times, things that are not yet done. So God, that's what he he's letting them know. He let them know in the old Testament, I'm, I'm sharing things with you before they even happen. Because I'm God, and I can do that. Luke 24, let's notice this. Because all Scripture, Old Testament, it really all points to Jesus. Look at what Jesus on the road to, to Emmaus talking to those two, two men. In Luke 24, he said to them, Oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, notice this, of all in all that the prophets have spoken. He pointed back to the Old Testament, because he goes on to say here, and then they... He said, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at, notice what Jesus did. Beginning at Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament, and then all the prophets. He expounded to them all the scriptures concerning himself. See, that's what we're going to do this morning. That's what we're doing. He said, listen, guys. He he told, he He vindicated what he did, who he was, with the Old Testament scriptures. He took them from Moses through the prophets. Wouldn't you love to have been there? We'll get, we'll get to hear a replay one day. Video. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So, he proved, Jesus proved he was a Messiah to those two men based on what? Old Testament scriptures. Old Testament scriptures. And as we said, this numerically impossible for those 300 plus scriptures to fit one man at one period of time. But God did it. So Jesus clearly taught that the Old Testament was about him. The apostles believed that Paul said the apostle Paul said in Acts 17, Acts 17 uh, verses two and three. I want you to read this, so I'm going to take a moment for this. If they can find that one back there. I may have. Acts 17, 2. Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sundays reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Now, what Scriptures did they have at that time? Old Testament. There wasn't any New Testament Scripture written yet. So he reasoned with them from the Scripture. Verse 3 explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer, rise again from the dead. He said, this is the Jesus I preach to you, and he's the Christ. What, what scripture? He was taking Old Testament scripture and showing them who Jesus was and what he had to do. Praise God. Things written thousands of years before, hundreds of years before, by different authors, different time periods, mathematically impossible glory to God so let's look at some of these we'll, we'll probably get to 285 this morning <laughs> or should I say on through the day no I'm just kidding we're not I'm just going to take a, just a few here okay we don't have time for all of them number one was prophes. it was prophesied that the Messiah would be the seed of a woman and that he would come from a virgin birth of course, in Genesis chapter 3, God, right after man, Adam fell, Satan was had just a moment to gloat, and then God said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, devil, in Genesis 3.15. I love this. He didn't give the devil any time to gloat. He, start, he put him on guard, put him on watch. And let him know what what's his future is going to entail. And I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. How many how you many realize a woman doesn't have any seed? Biologically impossible. And he's going to bruise your head, and you're going to bruise his heel. In other words, your head's your head, it's like Merry Christmas, devil. Your head's going to be crushed. <laughs> There's one coming. Going to be born of a woman. Amen. In other words, she's going to be, she's going to be, she's going to have seed, but it's not going to come from a man. It can't. The reason, G, the reason Mary had to be a virgin is because Adam sinned. His blood passed to all men. The Bible says all men have sinned because they're in Adam, because of the sin nature, because Adam died spiritually. So, and realize that the blood supply, the blood supply of the mom. This is just scientifically true. Never mixes with the blood of a baby. The blood supply comes from the man. For natural birth. Jesus, of course, was unattached to Adam's sin. He was born of God. The seed was divine. Mary just became the human receptacle of that divine seed. Which allowed God to bypass the normal order of of procreation to bring us a divine spotless untainted redeemer glory to god his bloodline was separate from adams so therefore joseph wasn't the dad we know that anyway but no man was so the virgin birth was predicted isaiah 7:14 isaiah 7:14 Uh, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel or God with us. The virgin. This was prophesied 700 years ahead. The day of Isaiah. Well, Matthew 1, verse 22 and 23. Matthew 1. So all this was done, it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by by the Lord through the prophet uh, Isaiah saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, bear a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Glory be to God. Of course, Mary, you know, asked about this. And uh, so we see it was fulfilled there, right, in, in Matthew 1. Uh, in Luke 1, uh, Mary asked, how, how's this going to happen when the angel told her what's going to, you know, what's going to, she's going to bear a child. Uh, and she, he, she said, he said, don't be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. Read on there, and behold, you'll conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and call his name Jesus. He'll be great, he'll be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there'll be no end. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't have a four year term coming up? <laughs> Woo! It's gonna be forever. His reign. And 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 Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I don't know a man? The angel answered, said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. Power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore that Holy One who's to be born will be called the Son of God. Not the Son of Joseph or any other man. The Son of God. Divine. Hallelujah. And because God had established a covenant with Abraham and, and, and Israel was the, Israel's existence was to secure this lineage so that there could come one. Who God could now, in co- by covenant, bring a redeemer to mankind. What an amazing prophecy, though. That's just one of 300 plus. <laughs> Number two. Praise God. How many of you? We'll, we'll order lunch in about 1.30, okay? Is that all right? Number two. The Messiah would be a descendant of Noah's son, Shem. Noah's son, Shem. Now, I'm going to have to get a little faster moving here uh because it talks about uh the fact in genesis 9 you just write this down uh 26 and 27 that Shem was one of noah's son in genesis 10 verse 29 uh 22 through 29 talks about eber as one of the descendants of 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 Shem. and then in luke 3 verse 35 it, that's where jesus is, jesus genealogy is mentioned here that um eber the son of eber notice in verse 30 uh five there is referred to so it's talking about it's establishing lineage and every time you establish one more person in the lineage you are trimming down the possibilities you're eliminating many 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 prospects of people that could possibly be this chosen one this messiah every time you mention someone else also he was a descendant of abraham we know that and uh uh, because of Genesis twelve three, uh, that uh, he said, "Oh, you're going to be, uh, you know, I'll bless you, and then you all the all the families of the earth shall be blessed through Abraham. All the families of the earth, aren't you glad we're of the seed of Abraham?" The Bible says, "We're blessed." You know, it's amazing. I've been to different parts of the world. I've got to minister in churches that have people from all different backgrounds, ethnic groups, colors, all, all shades of man. I've been able to minister in different parts of the world. And, and, and yet with every one of those in the, they, they would come up to me. You could embrace people and, 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 and they were all my brothers in the Lord. We had a kin, kindred spirit. Why? Because we're all blessed in Abraham, who's going to bless all the nation. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed in him. How? Through Jesus. Because of his seed. And that's the divine seed. That's ultimately who, is, is the ultimate seed of Abraham. Genesis 22, verse 18. Genesis 22, verse 18. He said, in in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In your seed. How are all the nations going to be blessed in Abraham's seed? Because Jesus is coming. Of course, in Luke 3, verse 34, that's part of the genealogy again of Jesus is referred to, he's the son of Abraham. Come out, the son of, the different... Once who were part of the lineage, Amen. Of Jesus, number four, he's after the order of Melchizedek. He's not. Uh, he's not of the order of Aaron. He's not in the genealogy of Aaron, but in of this individual named Melchizedek. Psalm one ten verse four talks about uh, that uh, he's of this of, of of this order forever, forever. Of course, Hebrews throughout Hebrews talks about uh, again. I, we don't have the time to look at it. Hebrews several times. Mention Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek, the great high priest. He's a descendant number five of Isaac. Every time we do this, the prospects get narrowed down. The possibilities of who this Messiah has to be descendant of Isaac, and uh, of course, not you know not Ishmael. See that eliminated Ishmael and his lineage. He had to come through Isaac. Genesis 17, 19. Genesis 17, 19. said he would be, uh, Sarah will be, will be the one to bear a son. You'll call his name Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him. What? For an everlasting covenant. See, this everlasting covenant, covenant reveals how God is able to bring the Messiah in. And so he's saying who this, who this Messiah is going to come through. Not going to be through Isra- Ishmael, but it's going to be through Isaac. Well, Luke 3 verifies that again. That's a, we re- keep referring to that as that list of genealogy uh, there. Ancestry.com, uh, you know, for, for some of you. Praise the Lord. Uh, list list uh, Isaac as part of that uh, line. Jacob, number six, is, is listed as a descendant. Jacob, you remember when Balaam, he wanted to curse Israel there in Numbers, but he had to bless, all he could do was bless Israel. Uh, Numbers 24, 17, notice what is said here about about Jacob. Says, said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter, that means he's going to be a king. He'll rise out of Israel. <laughs> Glory to God. So he's prophesied. Even a. Even a backslidden prophet God used to to speak something into the earth that that was going to come to pass thousands of years later. glory to God glory to god and he he- again he refers to the lineage here the the natural side that was necessary to bring a redeemer number seven he's a descendant of Judah you know one of one of the twelve. Twelve boys there of of, of joseph genesis 4910 genesis 4910 notice notice this he talked about Judah being the descendant here and uh the scepter notice again that scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes and unto him shall be the obedience of the people he's again he's referring to one that's to come he's going to be uh, he's going to be the one with the scepter it's going to be a king he's talking about here. And he's going to come out of Jacob. Hallelujah. Come out of, uh, I'm sorry, out of, uh, as well as Jacob, but also Judah. Jacob's blessing. Uh, that was Jacob's blessing on, you know, on them that said, uh, and this was, again, several thousand years before. And Luke chapter 3, again, refers to sons, uh, verses 33 and 34, re- refer to the son, Jesus' lineage. He's the son of Jacob. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, the son of Jacob and Judah here. Number eight, he's going to be a prophet like unto Moses. A prophet like Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise you up for a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him, he's the one you're going to hear. And let's move on to verse, look at verse 18 here. I'll raise him up for a prophet like you from among the brethren. And will put my words in his mouth, and he'll speak to them all that I command him. So he's talking about oneness to come. He's talking about the prophet. You know, Jesus and Moses, there are a lot of parallels. They were both leaders. They were both, you know, uh, they were both lawgivers. Jesus, of course, gave the law of love. Moses gave the Old Testament law. They were deliverers. They were teachers. They were both Jewish. They were both mediators. They were both miracle workers. As infants, they were both threatened by evil kings and protected. They both spent early years in Egypt, and you could go on and on. It just in the parallels of Jesus and Moses. Number nine, he was a. Uh, remember, every every one of these we add trims down the list. It 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 expands the probability, <laughs> or you could say it the other way: it, it decreases probability. Of, of who all of how many people this could even in, involve? Uh, Isaiah chapter eleven. He's he's a descendant of Jesse. He's he's from the rod of the stem of Jesse. Of course, Matthew one uh, verse verses five and six it talks about how Jesse. You know he begot David. He's the father of David. You know and uh, uh, but so Jesse again is included in the lineage of Jesus because we know that David was and that's number ten. The lineage of David. There are many scriptures talk about the seed of David. Notice the one here where the angel was talking to Mary in Luke 1. Uh, ver- verses, I think we referred to this, looked at it earlier, verses 30 through 33. Uh, where he talks about the fact that the angel said, told, told Mary, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive and bring forth a son. His name will be Jesus. He'll be great. This called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, David was a great, 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 great you know, grandfather you know, to, to Jesus, but he was he's still in that lineage, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Again, no four-year, no eight-year term. Forever. Of his kingdom, there'll be no end. Glory be to God. Aren't you glad that kingdom's about to come? Praise the Lord. Uh, also, number 11, it'd be prophesied. It'd be prophesied that this Messiah would be born in a small city named Bethlehem. Now, you've got to understand something. Bethlehem was a city at that time, a little town of about four to 800 people, population. Uh, you know, there was, a, uh, and of course, Micah, again, hundreds of years before the Messiah was born. Micah 5, verse 2. Micah 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you're little among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be the ruler. In Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. See, it couldn't be any, any other normal man. It had to be somebody that qualifies here to even fit. I mean, and you think about this, the mindset there. I'm like, he didn't know what he was really writing. He's pinning what the Holy Spirit gives him from everlasting. <laughs> He's talking about somebody that had to be divine, yet had to be a man. Had to meet two qualifications there. Divinity and humanity combined. The God-man. 100% God, 100% man. He's all God, but he's also all man. He's the unique individual of the universe in history. Glory to God. Glory to God. Then Matthew 2, verses 1 through 6, tells us he was born in Bethlehem. Born in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, it's interesting that uh, I, I, there's a man named uh, Peter Stoner who years ago did a, it was a mathematical, one of these guys I looked at, one of these mathematicians I referred to, did a university, he did a, a test like a study. He had included 12 different classes uh, of, of students. Not Christian students, just, just, just different students. Some may have been, but they just calculated. He used this, calculated the possibilities considering the population of Bethlehem at that time. He used 600 different students in 12 different classes and even professionals he brought in to try to check out uh, these uh, uh, the statistics of the possibilities of a, of a one born in Bethlehem during that time period to meet all the, just, just to meet the qualifications of, uh, 700 years. This is even, they didn't even include the fact it was written 700 years before, but just the possibilities of, of one man coming from Bethlehem to be the Messiah. And, uh, and they, what they figured out they they presented their case to uh different people that had, that were not Christians, professional mathematicians, and tried to insult anybody, any any student, anybody if you can present a challenge to try to refute the fact that it's mathematically impossible because the statistics were so amazing that one person out of Bethlehem could be chosen for this. Somehow they figured up, I don't get, I don't know all the ramifications, how they, all the stat, all the different numbers here on this one, but, uh, but they had nobody that would even try to refute it. That Jesus, they said it's impossible that Jesus not be the Messiah. That's from one, one of these prophecies. That he was born in Bethlehem in that time period with the size of that town that he could possibly, and they said it was impossible. This, he has to be the Messiah. Hallelujah! <laughs> Praise God! Praise God! Uh, no, number twelve, uh, the Messiah was associated. It was prophesied that he would be associated with massacre of babies. Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen talks about the voice, uh, you know, in Ramah talking, you know, that Rachel crying for her children. Uh, Jewish babies and and even the town are mentioned here. Voices heard in Ramah, bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children. Now look, notice this in Matthew two verses sixteen through eighteen. This is what it's referring to. The New Testament reveals what this is referring to. Uh, Matthew two sixteen. When Herod saw he was deceived by the wise men, he got angry, sent forth to put to death all the male children of Bethlehem and all, in all its districts from two years old and under. According to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Next verse. Then, he, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. Right here from Jeremiah 31. Saying. Go ahead. Verse 18 please. Hallelujah. Saying. Basically he quotes Jeremiah 31 15. All right. Praise God. Got to keep moving here. Listen. I've overloaded them back there. All right. Praise the Lord. Don't blame him. I gave him too much here. A voice was heard. Uh, in Ram, okay, he, he, he quotes Jeremiah 31, doesn't he? Rachel weeping for her children. And he, he says, this is the time period. This is, that's what it's for. Right here. For this time. This is when it's fulfilled. This, this mass, this massacre of babies. Number 13. That the Messiah would come out of Egypt. The Messiah would come out of Egypt. Remember the angel to, to Joseph. When he appeared to Joseph, uh, said to go to Egypt. That way he avoided, Jesus avoided that massacre. Hosea 11, 1. It said, out of Egypt, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Matthew 2, 14 and 15, that's when this was fulfilled, referring to the Messiah. We're talking about out of Egypt did I call him. In Matthew 2, uh, verses 14 and 15. Number 14, the Messiah The Messiah will be from Galilee, specifically Nazareth. Listen, every one of these trims down the possibilities. It were already past mathematical impossibilities that he'd not be the Messiah. But God just seems to pour it on exceedingly abundantly above, doesn't he? He he takes it out of even the possibility that only a fool (laughs) can stand up and say, "Uh, I don't think Jesus is the Son of God. Only a fool could say that with any, just even a portion of this evidence that we're bringing to you this morning. Praise the Lord. So the Messiah will be from Galilee. Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2 talks about Galilee uh, being in the light uh, to, to the darkness. They would be out of Galilee. And, of course, that's fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2. Verses 22 and 23, 700 years later, it refers to Galilee. And then actually uh, that, uh, yeah, Matthew 2, verses 22 and 23 make reference to that. And, um, in fact, then in Matthew 4, uh, verses 12 through 16, Matthew 4, again, verifies even further. Look at Matthew 4. Jesus heard John had been put in prison. He departed to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, saying, "The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles." The the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. That he's he's re, he's prophesying straight out of Isaiah here. Upon those who sat in the region of of the shadow of death, light is dawn. Talking about Galilee, talking about this even a region in Galilee called Nazareth here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It was also prophesied, number 15, he would come at a time when crucifixion was a manner of death. David and Isaiah both prophesied. David through the Psalms uh, and Isaiah prophesied he would face a crucifixion. Form of death. Now listen. In their day, crucifixion wasn't even known of. They they used to kill people under the Old Testament by stoning them. Crucifixion was not a a form of death. But in I'm sorry, yeah, in Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, stoning was used for blasphemy. Uh, But remember, the Jews they lost jurisdiction to the Roman rule, and the Roman court tried him. Well, see, that couldn't have been predicted by a man. Jesus couldn't have arranged that. (laughs) But God saw it and declared it in Psalm 22, verse 16. Psalm 22, verse 16, verse through 18. Go ahead and put that up. Psalm 22, 16 through 18. Talks about... they. For dogs surrounded me, the congregation wicked's endorse enclose me. They pierce my hands and my feet, prophesying of of how he's going to die. I can count on my bones. They look at, at and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Notice three things involved in the crucifixion here: hands and feet pierced, dividing of garments, and they cast lots. Remember that only fit one. That right there trims it all down, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, did that ever happen to anybody else but Jesus? No. Isaiah 52, 14 says he was marred beyond human likeness. Well, that happened at the crucifixion. Of course, these things were prophesied hundreds of years before Christ came. I mean, we've already gone way past the place of Mathematical impossibility. We've already gone way past that. Hallelujah! <laughs> in fact, again, this that, that Peter Stoner did a uh, a study. He did. He looked at eight prophecies and the odds that those prophecies could be fulfilled by one man. He said it's one. He figured out one in one hundred trillion. Now let me give you just a, a visualization of that statistic there. And this is with eight prophecies. Eight. Not, in other words, we're talking about mathematical impossibilities by all accounts of any expert. Usually they, they give, they have a number, they cut it off where it's no longer a probability. It has to be an impossibility. And this is just with eight of the 330 something prophecies. And here's what he says. It visualize, uh, Visualize silver dollars two feet deep. Silver dollars two feet deep that cover the state of Texas. And then you have, you've got one try to stick your hand somewhere in those silver dollars throughout the state of Texas and find one of them that has an X on it. That's one in 100 trillion. <laughs> and that's just with eight. Multiply that a number of more times and you cover the world and you have to find two feet deep of silver dollars and you got to find And that's, in other words, it's statistically impossible that Jesus Christ is not the Messiah. I'm just talking about from a, we're not even talking about just preaching the gospel and have somebody believe it this morning. This is still part of the gospel though. It's part of the good news that God made an airtight case. Mm, mm, mm. Hallelujah. That Jesus is the Messiah. Number 16. Let's get a few more in here. (laughs) And then we'll call out for lunch and then finish after that. (laughs) Daniel (laughs) nine. Daniel nine. Verses 24 through 26. He I can't even get into all this detail where he prophesied that, uh, the 70 weeks and the, and, and all, you know, that there's this time period where, uh, Jesus, you know, where, in other words, that, um, a command was given to rebuild Jerusalem, you know, and 483 years until the Messiah comes. 483 years. In other words, you could start the calendar with what Daniel declared right here. Because I just want you to show that God even did this in exact time periods in the Old Testament. Because in John 12, Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And that entrance occurred in John 12, 173,880 days after the decree of Artaxerxes in Nehemiah 2. Like I said, we can spend the whole day on this. To go rebuild Jerusalem, and that's what Daniel was prophesying. That you could now you can start the countdown. And to his Jesus entry was timed into Jerusalem to the very year that was prophesied by Daniel. You can go study that out if you want to. I ain't got time for it. I can just give you the facts, though. Just, it, it, it'll hold up in court. Praise the Lord. Amen. So not only place, who, how, but a time period. This down to the year. It's mathematically impossible that Jesus not be the, the Messiah. And you know, I mentioned eight prophecies, you know, that uh one in a hundred trillion chance. Somebody did something that they saw with 48. Well, actually, it was still that same uh, study. The guy said with 48, 48 of the 330 prophecies coming to pass, that would be a one in 10 chance with 157 zeros after it. Way, 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 way beyond statistical possibility for these prophecies to all come to pass in one person. At one time period, it's statistically impossible that Jesus not be the Messiah. Can't be. It's impossible to be a coincidence, and that's just with forty-eight of the three hundred and thirty plus the four hundred and fifty-six details within the three (laughs) hundred and thirty. Who's a fool? Like like who's it? Doctor T. I I pity the fool. (laughs) Number seventeen. Jesus would triumphantly enter into Jerusalem riding a donkey. Who would prophesy that? Unless it was God inspired. Hundreds of years before it actually happened. Ze- Zechariah 9 9. Zechariah 9 9. Go ahead and put that up. Praise God. Of course, that was, uh, it was prophesied about the Messiah. Re- rejoice, daughter of Zion. Shout. Behold, your king is coming to you. He's just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. You think Jesus could have arranged that all of a sudden? Well, that's fulfilled. And also, notice what Psalm 118, because this adds to it. Psalm 118, verse 26, part of the same event. Notice this. Not only is he riding in on a donkey, Psalm 118, verse 26, says that the people are going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, now we see that fulfilled in Matthew 21 verse 9. Matthew 21 verse 9. When Jesus came in riding on the donkey, you know, that, that's what the people begin to declare with the palm, you know, the palm branches and they, and they start, the multitudes cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Fulfilling prophecy to the letter. Number 18, Jesus would be betrayed with 30 pieces of silver. (laughs) Look at how specific, detailed, detailed. Zechariah 11, verses 12 and 13, that Jesus would be be betrayed with 30 pieces of silver. It's prophesied. It's spoken hundreds of years before it ever happened. It's agreeable to you that give me my wages if not I refrain, so they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. The Lord, notice there's some more detail. The Lord said, throw it to the potter, that princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver, threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. Remember, that's what happened in uh, Matthew 27, uh, 26 and 27. Judas betrayed him. For thirty pieces of silver. Then they the, the high priest, you know, the, the Jewish leader said, We've got this this is blood money, so they gave it to the potter's house. They didn't even know they were fulfilling scripture. Why? That's because God saw it, God spoke it, he declared it before it ever happened through a prophet. That's why Jesus, remember, he told those guys, I'm gonna take you back to Moses and the prophets and show you who I am. Who the Christ is, it's foolproof. And I pity the fool who still can stand up and say, ah, the Bible's not the word of God. It's just accumulation of a bunch of authors and it's just just somebody's fabrication. Yeah, that fits together perfectly. Prophecies made by different men in different time periods. Who could have orchestrated that? Only the God of the universe. Number 19, Zechariah 13, 7 predicts that Jesus would be forsaken. He would be forsaken. That's fulfilled in Matthew 26, verse 31. Let me move on quickly here. Just write that down. Number 20, that Jesus would be struck, that he would be struck while he was on trial. That's in Zechariah 13, 7 as well. Strike the shepherd. Micah 5.1 said, strike Israel's ruler. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. Well, he was struck. In Matthew 27.30, he was spit on and he was struck. Matthew 26.67 as well. All these things, every one of these points, truths, prophecies, each one. Narrows down, narrows down, narrows down to only, it can only fit one person in one period of time for all time. It's mathematically impossible that Jesus is not the Messiah. Number 21, Psalm 69, said it says that Jesus would be given vinegar and gall. Gall for my food and for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Remember that happened on the cross. Matthew 27, verse 34, it was fulfilled. They gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. One translation says vinegar to, you know, with gall to drink. And, but he would not drink it. Number 22, Jesus the lamb, Jesus the lamb would have none of his bones broken. It was prophesied. Exodus 12, 46. Of course, that was the Passover lamb. There were the rules and guidelines that, notice he said, you'll not break one of his bones. Well, that's just a picture, a type of Jesus. So the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 20, uh, it's the messianic psalm here says he protects, guards all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Well, this was all fulfilled in John 19, beginning in verse 32, where the soldiers stood and, and they, they, they broke the bones of the, of the a beside him, beside him, on each side of him. And they normally did that to, to speed on the crucifixion process and the death process. But with Jesus, they didn't. They normally did, but this fulfills scripture. They didn't break his legs there in verse 30. I think it's the next verse after that. The next verse, they, they did not break his legs. He was already dead. Number 23, Jesus' dying words were prophesied. Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in Psalm 31, 5, he also said, I commit my spirit. Remember, that's what Jesus, those, these two scriptures right here are, are, are fulfilled in Matthew 27 verse 46 and Luke 23 verse 46. My God, my God, why have you, you forsaken me? I commit into your hands, I commit my Spirit, glory to God. Each one, (laughs) each one of these prophecies puts another nail in the coffin of the atheist, the agnostic, the unbeliever. Just from a mathematical historical, isn't it amazing how God, I've heard people criticize the Bible, say, well, it's just a history book. Why have they just why why why, didn't they just, why does they have all the the begats of all these genealogies throughout and all these things oh, it's a marvel this book is not just a book it's divine it's life and it's it, it it touches mankind on every level yes there's a spiritual element the the word of God is full of life power and spirit is spirit food but it's also Truth, history that sets up an undeniable reality that can be proven in, not just in the spiritual level where we, and you know, cause men, you hear men say, I, I want to, I want God to give me a sign. What bigger sign do you need? <laughs> this is the biggest. It's the biggest. You can't get any greater than thousands of years of declaring something before it happens through different individuals at different time periods. And then it all coming to pass in one individual who stands up and says, the Spirit of the Lord's on me. He's anointed me. I'm the one. There's no other way. It's not through Muhammad. It's not through, through Confucius. It's not through Buddha, Buddha or Buddha, whoever. <laughs> it's not through any of those other guys. But you can only get to the Father through me. Yeah. He could say that boldly because he knew who he was from the Old Testament. Yeah, he knew God in His Spirit. He knew God by knowing He was born of the Spirit of God. He knew God, and He worked miracles, and He did all these other things that, that demonstrated. But again, that was a fulfillment of the prophecy. We hadn't even got. To, we can't even get to all the prophecy today. That even talked about His miracle working. Talked about more on the crucifixion. Talk about the fact uh, we we've got one here uh, about the fact uh, you know after number twenty five. Uh, well, let me mention number twenty four we already referred to that where they cast lots for his garments that was in psalm twenty two eighteen and fulfilled in john 19 twenty four but also in uh number twenty five and we 're going to stop at twenty five today Whew. Whew. we we can 't even get close to three hundred and thirty two without spending weeks here twenty four seven See, God does exceedingly abundantly above, doesn't he? We've already gone way past the realm of statistical and mathematical impossibility that Jesus could not be the Messiah. He has to be the Messiah just based on the first few we gave you. But God just keeps hammering it for thousands of years. Here he is. This is what he's going to look like. I'm going to sprinkle some more DNA of the Messiah. Here it is. You're going to recognize him when he comes. He came and only one fulfilled it all. The Bible even talks about the fact that in Psalm 16, that he would raise from the dead. Psalm 16, verses eight through 11, the Psalm is declared. I've set the Lord before me because he's in my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad my glory rejoice. My flesh shall rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell, Sheol. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Where have we heard that before? You're going to show me the path of life. Your presence is fullness of joy. Your right hand. How many of you seated at the right hand? Your pleasures are forevermore. We'll see that. Remember Peter, he preached on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 29 through 32. He said, let me speak to you, brethren. Of a patriarch, David, who's both dead and buried in his tombs to be with us this day. So notice he's going to No, I'm not talking about David here. He's going to read on here. He's preaching. that, Therefore, being a prophet, knowing God swore a oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. For seeing this, he spoke concerning this. He said this is what David was prophesying about, not his own resurrection, but the resurrection of Jesus. And that his soul was not left in hell, quoted directly from the psalmist, nor did his flesh see corruption. Notice he's going to be raised up. It was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born that he was going to go to a cross and be raised from the dead. And to other places revealed it was in three days too. Again, we ain't got time to cover all the DNA. But how many of got enough DNA? (laughs) we got enough DNA to convict the fool today hallelujah hallelujah (laughs) I had a guy tell me one guy said you're foolish to believe that the bible is 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 perfect and I'm like you know at the time I couldn't refute every little thing that the guy you know tried to say but I but and I didn't know all these truths I did know a few things, though, but, and, I could, and I could testify of my own relationship with God and, the, and how the word of God has helped me and how I've seen God actually perform his word on my behalf, you know, at different times. But that's why it's good for us to have, to be armed with truth. And this is one arena where some people need, they may need you to say, listen, listen to what this says. Let's look at the facts here from the word of God. Because Jesus' DNA is all over the Old Testament. There's no way you can even deny mathematically, logically, that He is not the Messiah, that he, you know, his, thumb, his thumbprint is all throughout the Old Testament. It fits only him perfectly. No one else has ever even gotten close. Not even one or two of these things could even qualify. So we do need to take advantage of this knowledge with with the sinner with the with the unbeliever. Okay, this is one purpose there's a twofold purpose of this message really. One is to arm you with the word of God to present truth from a apologetical standpoint. Sometimes it's good to just be able to defend certain things with with the mind. Cuz some people that's the realm they're in and it's okay to just say, "Listen, this look look at this and see if you can sleep." Sleep good declaring you don't believe the Bible is the word of God or that Jesus is the Messiah if you don't think he's the Messiah. See see if you can sleep on this and and be able to give people truth in a loving way, but give them truth because we care about people. That's why I'm presenting this to you. I believe God wants us to be reminded of this so that we can be armed with some knowledge to help those who struggle. And that's why I said some of you need to share this with somebody going to college. A friend, a relative, somebody you know that's going to be getting bombarded. See, I, I know this because I saw people that I knew that were seeking for answers in their life. Seeking for things. Hungry for. That's why some guys, I remember in my, in the religion class I took in college, I remember one or two guys, they were they were kind of Hellraiser type guys, but they were, they were searching for truth. So they signed up for a New Testament course. And I actually was grieved by that when I saw them in there. Because <sighs> I knew they weren't going to get any answers from that clown at the front of the class. The guy that was bound for hell and trying to take as many young people as he could with him. Because they're out there. So I have a heart for those, for that type of person. It bugged me because I I talked with some. I said, don't believe. I had to tell one guy, don't believe what he says. Now, I'm the little student. That guy's the guy with all the degrees. I'm trying to get a bachelor's degree. But I'm telling this guy, don't listen to him because it's poison. Anything that says the Bible is not the true word of God or that the Bible is full of flaws, that's a lie. It may, be, it may be a little different with some writers than another. It may bring out a different nuance, a different aspect of a, of a certain situation in different contexts. But there is no untruth in the word of God. And I'm talking about from the standpoint of revealing truth to you and me. It doesn't mean somebody in the Bible didn't lie. Job himself said some lies about God. But he had to repent of it at the end of the book. He said, I said some things that weren't right. Yet people quote them today like they're truth. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Well, see, Job was just mad at God. Say, said, yeah, you gave me stuff, but you also took it away. No, the devil took it away. Praise the Lord. But the Bible, the word of God, is truth. It's the truth. It's the only truth that every other truth needs to be measured by. And God demonstrated it. So that's one purpose of it. That babe in the manger, he grew up and he began to say some things about who he was. Yes, he died. He rose from the dead. All that was prophesied. Everything he did was prophesied. And if he was the one, if he was who he says he was, then he needs to be believed. Whoa. We need to look at what he said, take stock of what he says. When he says, He that believes on me, he's gonna inherit eternal life, but he that doesn't believe is gonna be damned. Woo! We better take what he says. Because listen, beloved, hell is a reality if anything I've said today is true. But heaven's also a reality. Oh heaven is heaven is so marvelous, it's so wonderful, it's so real. It's just Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you and I'm and there's many mansions, there's many just wonderful estates, dwelling places of my presence up there. It's, it's going to be glorious. There's going to be streets of gold. It's just like the book of Revelation says it is. Every, because Jesus offered these things, you know. It's just like he says it is. But Jesus also talked a lot about hell. It's just like he says it is. A place, and you don't want anybody to go there. It's going to be so horrible. It's going to be so horrific. We've talked about that. In weeks gone by. But also, so the sinner needs to know that and wake up. We need to let them know the Bible is true. It's the only truth there is. But also for the believer, I want to say something real quick before we close. And before we, we're going to receive communion here because Jesus went to the cross, died, shed his blood. Why? So that you can believe you're forgiven. Because you are. Jesus bore your sins. But guess what? He also bore your sicknesses. <laughs> and that's why I want you to see. You realize the Bible says, in he- one more scripture, Hebrews eleven 11 Your your your, your hand is probably tired, and I, and I appreciate those folks back in the booth because I know their hands are tired too from all these scriptures this morning, helping us out here. But notice, faith by faith Sarah received strength to conceive. Remember Isaac? They weren't supposed to have him. He's a miracle. God said, You are going to have a child, Abraham, even though you and Sarah are past age. She bore a child when she was past age. Why? Because she judged him faithful. Who promised? One purpose of all this presenting a case to you this morning, apologetical case for Jesus being the Messiah. One purpose of it today is so that you can judge God faithful on any promise he's ever given you. It should it should put like a, a steel rod into your spirit this morning. This should have dropped a steel rod down on in the inside of you that says, if God said it, I can have it. If he promised it, I'm going to receive it. If he said, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, I'm not taking anything less. Because he's faithful. Everything he's promised, everything that was prophesied came to pass. He never missed it on any of them. Well, he's not going to miss it on you right now, sweetheart. You can trust him. You can rest in him. You can go to sleep tonight knowing that I've, that I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You can know you're going to have anything you need. I don't care if they tell you your job is gone tomorrow. You can rejoice. You can know my God will take care of me. He will supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Because he cannot lie. He's a God of integrity. He's demonstrated it for thousands of years through 66 different authors at different time periods different circumstances men divinely inspired to say things that just didn't fit he's going to ride in on a donkey he's going to be born of a virgin men have stumbled over these things for centuries but it all came to pass just like it was said just like it was declared hallelujah Hallelujah. He also promised that his angels would guard you round about. Amen. He said no evil shall befall you and your kids. Amen. You don't have to be afraid of the terrorists by night. So I can rest on that. I've got enough evidence. Just in the mathematical impossibilities. I've got enough evidence just with that from two or three of those prophecies to let me know God always comes through on his promises. He always keeps his word. His word is not going to change through circumstances, through time periods. doesn't matter. In fact, the 600 plus prophecies about the second coming of Jesus some of them have already come to pass. Most of them have. He, I mean, there's still a lot about the millennium that are in the Bible, that, but they're all coming to pass. Just as sure as the first coming, the second coming's a reality. Because you hear people mock. I've heard them. I've heard them. They mock the second coming. Oh, those Christians think there's going to be a rapture. Oh, they think Jesus is coming soon. Hide and watch. Hide and watch. Who's the fool? The one who tries to refute all the evidence that we've given you, all the DNA evidence, <laughs> Hallelujah! If you can refute that, then you're a fool. But it pays just to say Jesus is Lord. The three things I want you to glean, real quick. I just mentioned. I'm not going to elaborate on three. I, I've got, I gave them three at the end. Of, you, know, you, you know, I give my points at the end of the service. You know. You got those up there, real quick. Did you give them to them? Okay. Three great truths to glean today. Number one, as Messiah, Jesus is worthy of lordship and worship. If he is who he says he is, we need to be bowing our knee today. You know, the Bible says every knee is going to bow, every tongue will confess. How many of you are smart to bow now and say Jesus is Lord now, he's my Lord, and I'm going to worship and serve him? A second truth, we've, these are th- this is, we've already mentioned this, God's promises can utterly be trusted today. Whew. Man, why are you staying up at night worrying about it? Woo, it's going to be all right. He said so. He's got a promise for you. He, he said, cast your care on me because I care for you. Well, does he or doesn't he? He cares for us. He'll take care of us if we trust him. Trust his word. Number three, number three, prophecies of Jesus' second coming will surely come to pass. Woo! <laughs> when we say he's coming soon, we're not just whistling Dixie. Or any other crazy song. I don't know. We're just, we're just we're telling you the truth. I mean, I can say that with absolute utter confidence and boldness. Jesus is coming soon. Israel has already become a nation. That's one prophecy that's been fulfilled. We could go down the list of prophecies that have already been fulfilled. Now, there are many prophecies about the about the millennial reign of Christ. That's why a lot of the Jews stumbled over the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. Why are you talking about Jesus? Wait a minute. He didn't set up his eternal kingdom. See, that's still coming. There's still seven more years of Jewish time called the tribulation. Then after that, we go into the millennial reign of Jesus, where a lot of those Old Testament prophecies will become reality right before our eyes we 're going to have a resurrected body we're going to have we 're going to be with him we 're going to rule and reign with him, then we 're going to go into eternity, the eternity of eternities after that. Oh glory to God, but he 's coming soon. You can bank on it just as, just as much as the first three hundred and thirty came to pass. Without a hitch, the 600-plus prophecies of his second coming will come to pass without a hitch. Even all these nations that are lining up right now to come against Israel, they're going to be part of that Ezekiel 38 war right after the rapture of the church. They're all lining up. It's all lining up. It's all getting ready. I believe he's coming real soon. Hallelujah. 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 That's something to get happy about, though. Hallelujah. I'm ready for a new body. How about you? Praise God. Praise God. A body you don't have to diet with anymore. Body that doesn't get tired anymore. Yeah, Yeah, we should have victory down here. We teach victory all the time down here. But also, I like to know the greatest thing is coming. The greatest thing is coming. Eternity with Jesus and the family of God. Hallelujah.